incremental improvement, gentlemen. That seems to be the name of the game now, going into the kind of the second half of 2016. Um, we intentionally left discussion from our last episode about the PS4K to today, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But there seems to be something going on in the Microsoft camp as well. Um, a couple of weeks ago, actually in February, Phil Spencer hinted towards an Xbox with the capability to be upgraded. So his quote was, I, I pulled this from a Eurogamer article, uh, you'll actually see us come out with new hardware capability during a generation, allowing the same games to run backward and forward compatible because we have a universal Windows application running on top of the universal Windows platform. He then backtracked um, in April by saying that he's not a big fan of the idea of the Xbox One and a half and saying that if they're going to move forward, they want to move forward in big numbers um, and they want to make sure that they're making big substantial change. And then, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there were FCC filings hinting at revised Xbox One consoles. Shahid, what is happening here? (laughs) Well, I think this is absolutely inevitable, all of this. Are you going to permit me to get a bit flowery on you? It depends what flowery is, but I'm willing to go with it anyway. Okay. Bear with me. You know, for, for thousands of years, oh, through the history go. of humanity... <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is going to take a while. <laughs> okay. No, it won't. It won't. Don't worry. It's, it's, about, it's about one minute. A thousands of years, the shortest distance between dreams and reality, people thought was magic or prophecy or miracles, right? But in the last 150, 200 years, which is a tiny amount of time, it's been technology. Now, you're all very familiar with uh, Kurzweil's law of accelerating returns, right? The singularity. Yes. Yeah. So, you know what? We're not really that far from it. We're getting to the point where the pace of technological change is completely running away from our ability as the human race to comprehend it. Yeah. So that, in the face of a purported techno- technology or API or hardware or platform cycle that can be measured in a decade, is ludicrous. I mean, 10 years ago, what, 2006, did we have an iPhone in 2006? 2007, Exactly. Yeah. So 2006, 10 years ago, we didn't have an iPhone. How many iPhones have been released in that time? And look at the power now. It's insane. You know, I just picked up my um, iPhone 3GS. I found it in a cupboard and it just (laughs) felt awful. And I thought the number of iterations is taken from that to get to where we are now. And you look you look at that and you think, well, how can consoles possibly fight this? And, you know, in the last special, how we were talking about um, how with PlayStation, there was a feeling while I was there towards the end of PS3 and the beginning of PS4, that if we don't get it right this time, this might be the end. And there are a lot of people saying PS4 is going to be the last console and so on. Why? Because the pace of change is so quick that the idea of a 10-year cycle is just archaic. Nobody's up for that anymore. Not even a five-year cycle, maybe. (laughs) Even a five-year cycle. I mean, you, you look at the things that we didn't have five years ago that we have now. Entirely new platforms are announced. And when I say platform, I'm not just talking about hardware. 
because, you know, as Mark Anderson says, software is eating the world. So software's got to keep pace as well. You know, the battle that um, Microsoft and Sony are fighting is not just in hardware. The hardware is commoditized. Look at the two systems. They're not that dissimilar. Let's face it. You know, there's a little bit of positioning, a little bit of power increase here and there, minor advantages, excellent comms, all added up to a winning launch. But, you know, that can be quickly lost. And all right, so 40 million installed units, it's great for a console. You know, that's that's like one quarter of iPad sales, you know. It's not actually that big a deal, but it's just a big deal in the console world. So they've got to start thinking outside of their Xbox, if you'll pardon the pun. Oh, they've God. got to go for the next... I'm really sorry. Look, I'm 50, you know. Um, <laughs> it's no excuse. <laughs> it's no excuse. You're absolutely right. But that's why I think they're beginning to think along these lines. That's why I think Microsoft has been talking about uh, platforms. They've been talking about cloud. They've been talking about universal builds and so on. And that's an advantage that they have as a company. The box is basically just an accessory for the cloud. And for PlayStation as well, the single biggest acquisition in recent years was Gaikai, right? So that for them is absolutely integral. It's why I asked Jim about that tech to see if he would give us anything on that. Of course, he's not going to say anything, but I would imagine that's going to be really integral to their future because that's where you can pivot really fast. You don't have to worry about rolling out hardware and massive marketing plans and huge uh, operational cost and massive inventory risk and so on. So I think what's happening here is basically these people who were um, a creation of the old tech world have now gone through the the digital distribution era, have survived the transition miraculously and through sheer uh, bloody mindedness and hard work, and now have to meet a brand new uh, battle. So for for Microsoft, they have a number of problems. So I'll, I'll let you cover those. But for PlayStation, the problem is they went after the core audience. They went very, very hard after the core audience. Here's the thing about the other players in the tech world. They're not going after a core audience. They're going after mass market. I mean, if you want to play a mass market game now, you don't, you know, we've talked about this before. You don't play on a console. You play on an iOS device or an Android device. It hurts me to say that, but that's the mass market for video games now. Yeah, but how does this relate to revision in hardware, though? Well, the, the reason you've got to revise hardware is as the software evolves, it makes greater demands of the hardware. Yeah. And Certainly when it comes to their their USB, their USB has always been try to hit the absolute best sweet spot for graphical performance delivered at a consumer-friendly price. That's always been the deal for them. Now, they can iterate, but the challenge for them will be to maintain compatibility. I know that there will be a lot of sensitivity around the idea that there could be a brand new device and suddenly you're fragmenting the market. I don't think that's what um, either of the companies intend. If you listen to what Phil Spencer said, it's completely around um, having some kind of uh, universal Windows distributable, which means that yeah, as as a universal build on iOS, the idea is it makes advantage or takes advantage of as many devices as possible. So I would be incredibly surprised if Sony were to give us a completely new set of guidelines and requirements that mean that you can fragment the market. I would imagine that if this thing is real, because of course I can neither confirm nor deny its existence. And you're talking about the PS4K now. I'm talking about a notional PS4K, a notional Neo. Um, you know, I was talking to Keza McDonald earlier about this, who who broke this story. 
and uh, you know her her she's a very credible editor um, and an excellent journalist. So I I've no doubt that she heard what she heard and she repeated that verbatim. And of course, you say that the story has been backed up, and and let's just say that the device exists for argument's sake. I can't imagine a situation in which PlayStation would allow developers or publishers to take advantage of the new device and not have the same software available in some form on the original device, because mm-hmm. that would be ruinous for them. And Microsoft will be exactly the same. Yeah, because you know you were saying about the old world and the new world, and you know, and part of it is you know the the new world of technology, um, smartphones updates every year right so they they continue to do new things every year because they can but the reason that they can do that is because people have these things on contracts you know i think it's a too many technology companies now think oh you can just have a new version of a product every year and people will buy it but that only really works in the smartphone world because people aren't laying out five six hundred dollars up front every time which i think is why they can't get in a situation where a new console, so a you know, halfway through or quarter of the way through life, uh, home console can't be replaced. You, you can't do that because people won't want to play pay for that money, right? Like it can't only play new games. It has to just bring along incremental improvement. But everybody should be able to benefit from the same experience, maybe just at lower frame rate or whatever. What kind of technological improvements are we talking about here? Uh, are we talking about VR, 4K? Like, what are the two, or maybe the top features in terms of hardware that we need to, that would justify maybe uh, updating the, the, the console in mid-cycle? Like, uh, is it all about VR? Is it all about 4K? I, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's interesting because a lot of people have been saying this, that the reason they're doing this is uh, 4K, and so this VR. is Sony now, right? We're yeah. jumping backwards and forwards. So let's just lump, let's just lay the groundwork very quickly for Sony so we can then continue to talk about this thing as a whole. So this was reported by Kotaku first, right, in March. Um, the the product is uh, has the code name of Neo starting at 399 faster graphics, better performance, uh, 4K image output. Um, and the idea being that from the details that have come out very recently, actually, because there's been more, um, that... Basically, PlayStation 4 games would be required to ship with a base mode, which will run on the currently available PS4, and a Neo mode for the new consoles. So taking advantage of uh, higher frame rates, better graphics, that kind of stuff, and will help even further for VR. Now, Shahid, you can carry on. So, I think the main reason for bringing this thing out is because I I agree with most of what, what you said about... Um, contracts and price and sensitivity around that but this new device or this uh, purported new device isn't really for the entire market i think several things are going to happen first they want to expand uh, playstation that is want to expand their user base so they need two ways of doing that the first is to continue driving home the core advantage and i think a purported new device would target the core audience who actually are not price sensitive they're going to be absolutely fine with buying a device two years after the first PS4 came out. So that's, that's them handled. 
What about the rest? What about broadening the market? Well, you know what? You've got to bring the price down. But guess what happens in uh, when you're building commoditized tech? Prices do come down. You know, you have uh, efficiency of operations. So I would be um, wholly unsurprised if there was a price cut to PS4 at some point. And I think this is entirely about broadening the market and uh, continuing the stranglehold on the core market. And another thing, the core market, okay, they want to play some of these games that they're currently playing at 30 frames per second. They're going to get to play them at 60 frames per second. This isn't a 4K play. I don't think 4K has got a lot to do with it. I think it's there, you know, it's a nice tick box and everything. But my guess is that to this day, most core players still don't have 4K. No, I agree with that. They still have 1080p displays, right? Well, then maybe in Sony's reasoning is to be better for VR, right? Incrementally. I I don't think it's going to be a step change for VR, but put it this way. If you have the same game running on both a base unit and an enhanced unit, the enhanced unit is definitely going to deliver the better experience. It's definitely going to be easier for it to fill in more detail. But here's the key thing. You won't be able to drop the frame rate with VR. So it won't be a case of, oh, this thing only runs at 60 hertz on a standard PS4 and runs at 120 hertz on a a PS4 Plus or K or Neo, whatever it's going to be. It's got to run at the same frame rate. So how do you deliver the extra benefits for the core player? Bit more detail. Yeah, so the frame rate remains the same, but it can render better graphics, basically. Exactly. So it looks exactly. better, but it's yeah. not it's not jittery. Yeah, because I guess you're right. There has to be a base level of frame rate, which is observed everywhere when you're looking at VR, because otherwise it just flat out just doesn't work, right? Well, we're in we're in Chundertown. Yeah, Chundertown is not it's not a place <laughs> you want to visit. No. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by. Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. Igloo makes an internet product that is going to be nice to your eyes. If you've ever looked at your current internet and thought, why does this look so terrible? It's time to move to Igloo. You can completely rebrand and configure everything to look and feel exactly how you want and make it fit within your company and within your teams. You can configure group spaces so different departments of your company can get just the functionality that they need. There's an easy drag and drop widget editor to enable you to do this. That functionality includes things like task lists, status updates, and even document collaboration systems. You can access this from wherever you want to be because Igloo is usable from any device on the go, no matter what size screen you have, you'll be able to get to your internet. They integrate with services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox is all in one easy to secure platform. They have 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and active directory integrations. You'll know you'll be safe with Igloo, and all of your company's data will be safe too. Igloo also have their own document collaboration system, which will allow you to enable red receipts too, so you can make sure that everybody is on the same page with that important stuff that you need to be circulated. It's time to break away from the internet that you hate. Go check out Igloo today. You can try it out for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. Go to igloosoftware.com slash remaster to find out more. Thank you so much to Igloo for their continued support of this show. So this isn't the idea of renewed like kind of mid-cycle consoles is not new, right? Like there have been slim versions yeah. and, yeah. you know, for years. Especially from Sony. <laughs> yeah, from Sony. I think Microsoft have done it, uh, Nintendo have done it. But typically there's no other change other than size and price. 
So that's what make, makes the PS4K, we'll just keep calling it that for now, um, or codename Neo. That's what makes that different, and who knows what Microsoft are really doing. It, it, they're doing something, right, because the FC, these potential FCC filings are hinting at new hardware. Um, I believe that they're doing something as well, but it is different in this regard. This is new territory that even though it's minor functionality change, it's still functionality change. It adds confusion to the product line. It, adds, it makes the marketing message more complex because you have to kind of acknowledge that it's different but without trying to say too much. And, and that is, that's, I believe, maybe not too much but will be a challenge for them, especially in the core market because the core market are going to get upset, right? Like, like people tend what? to do because yeah. they're going to think they're getting a lesser experience. Yeah, that's why in the in the uh, two articles from Kotaku and uh, I think Giant Bomb, uh, they stressed how Sony doesn't want to split the user base, so they're working on like setting guidelines for uh, Neo, in the sense that developers cannot do Neo only features, like there cannot uh-huh. be like a big portion of a level or a whole new gameplay only for people with a better console. There has to be the same features, the same gameplay mechanics, and you can have better graphics, better frame rate on the, on the Neo. You can have the same base multiplayer modes, so because they, they want to ensure that the same people can access the same online features. Uh, there's a, This is not perfectly clear. Uh, the article says that, uh, for example, the Neo version of a game could have maybe like eight people simultaneously, whereas normal PS4s could have only four people. Right, you see, but that's where it's difficult, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. again, that's not adding uh, different functionality, but that's when you need to start putting things on the box. Yeah. Right, and and that's when it becomes tricky. Yeah, we've seen with uh, Nintendo, for example, when they did the, um, the 3DS revision with the new 3DS, which was a terrible rollout. Uh-huh. Um, they did this thing with the with the different boxes uh, for the packages of the of the games, and people are still super confused about what kind of game can you play on an old 3DS, what kind of features are missing on the old model versus the new model. And Nintendo, in fact, is not maybe the typical company that does uh, mid-cycle refreshes, except for portable consoles. So they they did done... it with the Wii too. They made do you remember the small one. I think with the home console, they only did it with the Wii, with the yeah. Wii Mini. And it was a very weird launch because I think initially it was maybe limited to the US and Canada or maybe just Canada and maybe only GameStop. I'm not sure. Now, I've seen the Wii Mini in Italy, so I'm pretty sure that it's yeah, wider it start, I, you're, I don't remember the exact details off the top of my head, but it did start out weirdly. Yeah, it yeah. was super weird. And then the 2DS, you know, like they've done some strange stuff recently in more recent times but that's a company floundering right yeah. so it's yeah. kind of like a, a different thing here this this stuff is like i get i get you know everything you were saying she had at the beginning right like i get why this is happening because technology is moving at a faster pace and the games console makers need to try and keep up with it um but it is you know, how are they going to name this thing, right? Like, and, and then all of the naming that could come in and, and all of the confusion that that can bring around, like, for example, new Nintendo 3DS, right? Terrible name. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see how this one will unfold, to be honest. I do, I do want to ask you guys, um, because I'm looking at these rumors, both for Microsoft and Sony, and I'm, I'm not sure where I... I 
where my 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 opinion falls exactly but it reminds me of two things one that console could be could sort of change and become more like pcs whereas there's a constant upgrade they're always getting better but also more like mobile devices when you know smartphones and tablets which uh, each year there's a new version they all access the same games so there's a, still the same app store play store whatever and uh, it's just different the kind of the kind of visual experience and the kind of user experience that you get on the new model. So people with old iPads and people with new iPads, they can play the same games. But it's just if you play a 3D game on the iPad Pro, it looks better, it's faster. Yeah. You know? I think so we're I don't closer know. to mobile devices than PCs because the difference with the PCs is it's upgradable components, which is exactly. not, not what we're gonna get here, I don't think, even though that was what everybody originally thought um was what Phil Spencer was saying. Uh, but I, I think what I think they're looking at the the mobile market, right? Tablets and and phones, and they're seeing how that stuff jumps up, and that could be a template for this model. I believe that what we're going to end up going towards, you know, provided the fact that games consoles are still around within the next few years, it's looking healthy right now. But you never know. Um, I think that there will be maybe every 18 months to two years, there'll be a new console, but they'll only make big revisions, like huge revisions every five to 10 years as it has been. So there'll be, you know, incremental improvement and then larger jumps. So, for example, iPhone and iPhone S series. You yeah, know, it's a TikTok, kind of isn't it? Yeah, that's what I think we're going to start to see because they're being left in the dust from a financial perspective and also from a functionality perspective. Because, look, let's not overlook the fact that if you bring out a new console, you're going to make more money, right? If you, You're you just going to. Like, for example, if Sony... Well, you're going to sell it to people who already got one. Yeah. If Sony bring out a new PlayStation, which will be better for VR, I will be very tempted to get it because I want to have the best VR experience possible. Now, otherwise, they wouldn't have got that money out of me until the PS5 because I wouldn't buy a slim version. You know, I mm. might be buying a new Xbox soon regardless because I turned on my Xbox for the first time a couple of days ago to play <laughs> Quantum Break. It got stuck during an update and it's now bricked. Oh, poor Mike. So I've got that going on in my life. I really wanted to play that game, but instead I bought Ratchet & Clank, which is amazing. It is so much fun. So I wanted to buy I wanted to buy Ratchet and Clank, but my credit card called me at like eleven PM because they thought the Sony transaction was a fraud. So they wanted to confirm that and basically my game has been stuck for like five days now. Awesome. See this yeah, is why this is why great. physical discs still rule, man. Yes. It's a totally great experience. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I could just Go to GameStop and buy a disc tomorrow. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I thoroughly recommend Ratchet and Clank. By the way, it's a quick, quick aside. It is such a fantastic game like this. You know, in that I was going to say platform game, but it's like part platform, part action, part puzzle, part beat 'em up. Like it's brilliant. It's really funny. It's written really well. The graphics are fantastic. Um, I am having a thoroughly good time playing this game. So two thumbs up for Ratchet and Clank. But Quantum Break, who knows? Because my Xbox died. Thanks, Microsoft. It really oh died? You, there's nothing oh, it's, you can oh, do? Oh, it's 100% dead. I got the, what is the new version of the uh, Green Ring of Death? It's the, it's the like, stuck start screen of death, basically. 
Stock Star Screen of Death. It's got okay. a different name. I think it's Green Screen of Death, where basically I turn it on and I see the green Xbox screen and nothing happens. And I've tried, um, I've tried running through all the steps, including having to format um, a, a USB key to NTFS on my Mac by downloading some third-party software to load on some stuff, and then you try and boot it into this recovery mode with the USB key in. And I've run through all the steps, and then over and over again. And where I am now is basically your Xbox is broken. That's effectively what it says in the. Are like you out it, of your warranty period? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'll have to check that, but I bought it when it came out. So, are probably. you going to buy another one? Not right now. Are you going to wait for the? Xbox One and a half. <laughs> no, 1.6. This is if they bring out a new version, then I might get it because there's there's a game that I want to play. There's a few more games that I want to play, but I will wait until there's like a real game I must have because say this is the first time I've turned my Xbox on in a long time, at least since I bought my PlayStation. Um, so it's kind of frustrating because this was a game that I was waiting to play, but I'm not rushing out to buy one now, especially because it looks like something's on the horizon with them anyway. But it's this is part of the real frustration of these types of systems is and you know anything like this really it's just it busted and games consoles have been like historically just really bad for this right like there are memes that go around and now there's a new meme basically the update that i ran because my updates were quite kind of out you know i'd I'd not run in a while this was a problematic update when it came out um in that it was bricking lots of consoles uh, but when it originally came out, I think there were more people in warranty, but obviously I didn't run it. So so here we are. And I have, a, I have this massive dead box sitting under my TV now. So maybe I will get one. But anyway, we've diverged from the from the point. Yeah. We feel your pain, man. It's It really sucks because it's like, it's, they're not, it's not cheap. And mm. it won't be cheap to replace it. So PlayStation forever. My PlayStation <laughs> isn't dead, so... And Wii U, Mike. Don't don't forget. Well, I mean, my Wii U could be dead. <laughs> you just don't know. I just don't know. Again, I haven't turned that on. It's like Schrodinger's games console. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> at this point, it, it could be dead or could be alive at the same time until Nobody you turn knows. it on. There's no cat inside the the Wii U. Well, unless you go for like Super Mario Land and with oh, the, nice, with, nice, the, with the cat nice. suit. Federico, if a PS4 K comes out. And it has everything that we expect, right? Like it's just better frame rate in some instances and better for VR. Would you consider buying one? Hmm. Well, provided that my girlfriend wouldn't wouldn't kill me. So that's a big clause at the top. Uh, I think so. Just because I'm I'm one of those people when when new hardware comes out and they have the the old model i i i'm kind of not angry you want latest just, and greatest yeah i mean i don't have a 4k tv so i wouldn't buy it for 4k but if the performance is visible you know if the graphic increase is something that's noticeable and you can appreciate and if vr is better i do plan on buying vr this october the playstation vr I think I would want the latest and greatest just because my reasoning is I don't play often, right? Because I, uh, I got work to do and I'm a sort of grown up maybe at this point, got responsibilities. But when I'm playing, I want the best, right? So the, the, those few minutes that I, that I carve for myself every day, I want to get the best out of it. So if I can find a way to sell my PS4 
and get the PS4K, I think I'm going to do it, you know? I, 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 and I also perfectly know that not everyone is, is in the same position. Sure. Uh, so that's why this, this idea is so fascinating to me. Like, I wonder to, to which lens Sony has to go not to make this a complete mess, right? Yeah, and that's, that's my thing is I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Well, you do it by putting a lot of pressure on developers. How? You don't you don't make it your problem. You make it the developer's problem. No, but you still have the marketing problem. The marketing problem I think is is less of a problem so long as they continue in the vein that they have done. Because I I do think I I mean I've been listening to both of you and there are a lot of people like you, you know. I mean, you're not the majority. But then we're talking about a niche market. Console is a niche market. We have to keep remembering that it's not like 10 years ago when console was a mass market. It's not. It's just a niche market now. Yeah. It happens to be a very healthy niche that supports a global business, supports several global businesses. So in that niche, you know what works? Best works. And if you're mm. now two years plus down the cycle, I listen to what you say, Federico, and I hear that. I hear that. You want the best. Your time is valuable. You work hard. You play hard. You want to enjoy <laughs> yourself in that time, you know? Yeah. It's, it's got to be good. You don't want a second-hand experience. You don't want a slowed-down experience. You're looking at that and thinking, oh, man, this iPhone 7 in my pocket is catching up to the PS4. And you're going to get to the point where suddenly you're not picking up the PS4 controller anymore because maybe Apple have come out with something that's better. Maybe Apple have come out with a VR device that's better. PlayStation can't afford... And Xbox can't afford to be left behind in this arms race because everything's getting quicker. Platforms are getting mm. mature. You know, never mind the hardware. Look at the amazing work that Apple have done in the last year and a half alone on LLVM and Swift mm -hmm. and all of the supporting APIs. It is phenomenal. It's got to the point where even Android <laughs> and Google yeah. are considering using Swift and Android. That is spectacular. You know, the half-life of a programming language is decades, guys. You know, C was invented in 1969, 1970. C++ was invented in the late 1980s, and it's still highly popular. So these things, so for this kind of transition to happen in a year and a half, where Swift is now one of the top two loved languages in the world, is spectacular. That's a much more important event than all of the rest of it. What's happening with Microsoft and Azure is much more important globally than what's happening with Xbox. All of these things, you know, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4K, Xbox One, Xbox One Plus, whatever they're going to call it. Um, One Plus. Nice. <laughs> these, these have got to be accessories to the cloud solutions that these companies come up with. That's where it's all going to be happening. Uh, mm. When I say it's all going to be happening, if the client is not powerful... People like you, whose time is valuable, how much value do you put in your time, yeah? Mike, how much value do you put in your time? Trust me, there is enough of a market. I'm not saying it's a mass market. The mass market will go for contracted phones. But for them, is the PS4 at a cut-down price? Damn it, Shade, you're, you're making me want a PS4K. You should, you should work at Sony. You should. You should consider a career there. I'll tell you what, I'll send them my CV. China, I do have a question, actually, someone who did work at Sony. What I'm wondering is, there was a lot of chatter about the potential for, or the the wish that Sony would allow people to like trade in their consoles for an updated yeah. version. What's the feasibility of something like this? 
It looks like a nightmare to me. Yeah, I'm expecting not feasible at all, right, as the answer to that. I would imagine that it would be a massive operational undertaking and that not very many people would would want to exercise that option. And what would Sony even do with them? Well, they would recondition them and put them back out into the market. But could Sony do that? I mean, like, because I know that, like, you know, game yeah. shops shops can do that, but I didn't know Sony would do that. They'd recondition them, put them into the channels, and let the shops take care of it. You right. know, everyone's margins would come down, but everyone would get a little bit because it's a second time round sale. I I don't know in the modern world how important that is. Because what would the turnaround time even be like? Oh, like, forget it, know. man. Just stick it on eBay. Exactly. You people, know? you'd be waiting <laughs> months for it to come right. back. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, by that time, there's a new console generation. And this is the world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, this is the thing. It's like, in an ideal world, right, a man comes to your house and he picks up your PlayStation and gives you a new one. But there's no way that could happen. Like Nobody would want the solution that would be given. Hey, I've got an idea. Like, you know, like Amex had this service, right? Some ultra uber elite Centurion Plus service where basically some guy would come over and, you know, offer you towels in the bathroom or whatever. I don't know if it's quite that extreme, but basically you want, like, instead of a PlayStation Plus, you want a PlayStation Double Plus, right? <laughs> if your console breaks down. Well, it's like, you know, Stephen always talks about the 20th anniversary Macintosh where if you bought one, someone would come to your house in white gloves and, and fix it up for you. Did that really happen? It's true. It was true. Oh, my God. In an ideal world, there would be like a PlayStation Butler yeah. comes at your house, <laughs> takes, takes your PS4, hey, I'll I'll sets up the 4K, <laughs> and even puts the VR visor on you. It's like, take care. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're all set now, buddy. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. That's the door. <laughs> oh, man, oh, there's a business model in that. <laughs> We're talking about a vanishingly small niche, but I'm sure it exists. There are people who <laughs> would want that. Like, if the price was right, I would have the PlayStation I, Butler. I'd do out. that. I would do that. I mean, I cannot imagine what kind of PlayStation Butlers there would be in Rome, but uh, it's a nice idea. But in all seriousness, what Shahid was saying kind of makes sense to me. The basic idea is the the core people who buy PlayStation and PlayStation games, those are willing to spend money, especially in a in a certain I guess more uh, adult segment. Maybe you know the time is valuable. You want the best. You have the 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 kind of income to to buy that kind of upgrade. So Sony would want to go after that kind of market. But what about? capturing new people because shade you often talk about kind of expanding the market what kind of benefits would normal people have like my friend he doesn't follow uh video game blogs he doesn't follow the news why would my friend go buy a ps4k instead of the lower priced ps4 oh i don't think your friend would i think uh if there is a customer out there who is not mm. a core customer, they're going to be absolutely... This is what PlayStation wants. And I would imagine... I'm not sure about Microsoft. I think they would have a slightly different strategy. But in PlayStation's case, you know, they, they would be very happy selling the, the standard PS4 to uh, a customer who is not as demanding. The whole point about this exercise, I think, is they, they as a company... See, I said they. I've grown up. Good man. Um, they, they value the core audience that that they reached out to and they will be damned uh, if they're going to let that go and they're thinking 
that in every console cycle, two or three times, there is a price cut. What is our message? This is not about broadening the market on its own. It's about doing that without selling out. How do you also bring along your core customer, who are your biggest evangelists, who made this the greatest games brand in the world again? How are you going to look after them? And this is their way of doing... I, I know it sounds insane, right? The way you look after your best customers is by selling them more stuff. But, you know, your, your best customers want to buy more stuff from you. That's yeah. the beauty of it. If you really look after them... I mean, put it this way, right? If OmniFocus... Uh, so if, uh, if Omni Systems came out with a new version of OmniFocus tomorrow that was better, that made my life better because I live in OmniFocus, right? If they did something to make that better tomorrow and they charge me another, I don't know, uh, 40 bucks for the iOS version, 80 bucks for the Mac version, I'd drop that money in a second. Mm -hmm. No problem yeah. at all. Yeah. I wouldn't be thinking, guys, I've already given you seven, se several upgrade cycles worth of cash. What are you doing to me? And I think... Core customers are willing to pay for that. You know, we all value our time immensely and we want the best. And those are the people that PlayStation is looking after. The, the mainstream customers, the, you know, they want to broaden the audience, of course. They want to keep on building. But I think it's, it's just a great way of looking after them too. You give them new content. So here's the thing, right? We haven't talked about content yet. And this is the thing that worries me about PlayStation because they've closed down a lot of studios. So they have to do what they were doing over the last few years, and that is create amazing partner deals to make sure that broader content comes to PlayStation so that when they do the price drop and they bring out, um, I, I have no, no idea what will come out at, 200 quid maybe, you know, 250 euro, 300 US, who knows, whatever it comes out at, that there is sufficient software for a family audience or a broader audience or a social audience. You remember they did this with PS3. They had Buzz, they had iToy, they had SingStar. That was their modus operandi there. In fact, they were doing this kind of stuff before Nintendo um, ramped the whole thing up again and took it to another level. So I think they, they need another angle like that, but they need the software to do that. And they, they can only mm -hmm. do that now with partners because I think Worldwide Studios, here's the thing, right? With... with this impossible pace that hardware and software and APIs and platforms are taking. You gotta go, it's not just about going big and going home. You, you either go super big, you know, like Naughty Dog, or you go super indie, like No Man's Sky. And everybody else is really gonna, gonna suffer. So they need to do these deals with a lot of partners to make sure that the right sort of content that appeals to that broader customer base comes in. Because if they get that wrong, the core customer is going to look at that and say, what are they trying to do with this? This is not what this console is about. So, you know, I, I think it was last uh, in the last episode, Mike, that we talked about um, any company's ability to deliver multiple marketing messages to multiple segments. That's going to be key here. But I don't think PlayStation can have, have a real problem marketing it so long as they have the right software. That's the challenge. Mm -hmm. So I want to close, Shahid, by asking you a question. Um, you've talked about Sony and going after your best customers, going after your entire customer base who wants to pay more. But what do you do when you're Microsoft and you don't have maybe a lot of customers? And with maybe those customers, I wouldn't say they've been let down by the Xbox One, but maybe they, they want to see more from the same console. If you were Microsoft, how would you approach coming up with a with a revision especially after we've seen the kind of the backlash after uh, Phil Spencer's original comments what do you do to to say look 
we love you guys that you bought the Xbox One, but here's another one. Microsoft is a great company. I've, I've said this on the record many times. They are a great company with highly talented individuals, both within the wider Microsoft organization and within the Xbox organization. They have created some astonishingly good products. They are on a roll now with their, uh, with their cloud infrastructure, with their office apps, with their mobile offerings. They're doing some really, really neat stuff. So the, they have the, the staff, you know, they have the talent, and they have excellent technology. What they don't have is any kind of strategy. So I guess what you're asking me, asking me is, <laughs> wow. what, is their, what is their new strategy that, that helps them to bridge that gap? And you know what? I think it's a great challenge. I say they can go for it. So here's the thing they do. Cons- the, the first thing is consistency. So at the moment, there are too many flip-flops. Their messaging is all over the place. Somebody in that organization needs to come in, take the helm. I'm not saying uh, Phil Spencer needs to be replaced Uh, God forbid, I wouldn't ever advocate for someone losing their job. I'm just saying that somebody needs to take the helm of the communications in a way that it filters down to the rest of the organization that people at the ends feel empowered. Remember, we talked about this recently where the the talent of PlayStation was management's faith in Mm -hmm. people at the ends of the operation to manage what they're doing. If you look at all of the latest team studies, Google have been amazing at this, by the way. If you look at all of the latest team studies, when you empower people at the ends, when you um, when you allow them psychological safety to express what they want to express, you get tremendous output. So I would say empower your people, but have a consistent message that is extremely core customer friendly. So forget about this mass marketing. Let Microsoft take care of the mass market. That's Microsoft's job. But Xbox's job is total ruthless killer focus on their traditional core market. Go back after those 360 fans. Do anything you can to break PlayStation's current stranglehold. And you can do that because you potentially have a better cloud offering. There is stuff you can do in your games, multiplayer, that could be uh, ahead of the competition. And absolutely make it a core player offering. Make your communications humble, contrite, funny, and extremely open and friendly and empower loads of people to do this. Go on the world's greatest charm offensive to every developer on the face of the earth who has an ounce of talent and say, guys, we are going to fix this. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take maybe three years. But when we come out with a console, it's going to be so damn good. It's going to have the greatest services. It's going to have the greatest software. It's going to have the greatest cloud support. And it's going to do this. And they're going to show them demos that show games that have never been possible before. And it's no longer about just resolution or or the number of polygons they got on the screen or whatever. It's delivering experience in a way that nobody else is delivering. It might be HoloLens. It might be VR. God knows what it is. You know, it's not my job to define their technological approach. But if you do that, that's how long it takes. You can't do it overnight. They're not going to fix this. They're a large organization. They're not going to fix this overnight. But they've got a great position here. I know it sounds absurd for me to say this, but imagine the next console they come out with could be better than a a notional PS4K. That would be a huge advantage. Now, if it's just a box and they get the messaging wrong, 
then it'll it'll fail. But if if it's an amazing box with amazing cloud connectivity and they've worked their asses off doing the partner deals, talking to everyone, not just games guys, obviously, you know, they've got to have the services. Every modern box has got to have all of those tick boxes, as you know. They've done all of those deals and, and they come out of the gate in two years' time with an announcement of a brand new box that smashes the competition. And in two years, everyone's been beating down the doors of everyone. They've been going on a charm offensive. The message is the same across the board. Contrition, humility, um, humor, charm, support, but also absolute determination to succeed where they failed with the Xbox One. Then I think they could turn a corner. I was kidding. You should work at Microsoft Trade. <laughs> <laughs> 